You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Talking Chop Podcast. This is episode 52. I'm Carlos Colazzo, as always, with co-host Brad Roland. How's it going, buddy? Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, it's nice to be here, as always. And uh, this is a special episode, I suppose, because we're at the one, I guess, the one full year mark. We, def- we definitely started before one year ago, but with a couple of weeks off and stuff, this is the uh, sort of the annual episode. I don't even know how to describe it, but I guess we, we, we made it a full year, man. Congratulations. Yeah, we have at least a full year of podcasts, whether or not it took us a little bit over a year to get there. I'm trying to see when our first one was originally, but on our SoundCloud page, it doesn't have the date, so... We'll have to come back and uh, let you know about that. But I feel like it is uh, something to celebrate. We've done 52 weeks of a weekly podcast. I found it, I found it Carlos. Wait, I it? found it. It's, yes. uh, yeah, it's, it's February the 6th of 2016. So, so we're that, now... That sounds like we missed two weeks. Two weeks, probably. And they were probably while you were gone. So I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the full blame for that. There was but, definitely uh, yeah. one that we missed while I was here. So I think we can each take one. And uh, we. So I get we've each done... Our, our share of the work. It's exciting to have a podcast this long. I definitely think the podcast is much better now than it was during episode one. I just listened to part of our first episode. There's there's some typing from my end on the first one. The the volume is a little <laughs> off for our recording. So I, I think those issues are taken care of at this point. But as always, guys, if you have any ideas for uh, what we can do to improve the show, um, I believe people made fun of me because I was too monotone at the beginning, so I, I tried to sound a little bit more peppy, I guess. But if you have anything you think we can do to improve the show, please let us know. Uh, and thanks for sticking with us for 52 episodes. Those of you who have been around for a full year and those who haven't, uh, you guys owe us 52 complete episodes. So uh, we look forward to having you in the future. Brad, uh, we got we got a few things this week. Spring training has started, obviously. Uh, this is our first podcast since we've actually seen pictures and video evidence of Bartolo Colon and others walking around the spring training facilities. Does that do anything for you as a baseball fan? I always feel like we're really excited for spring training. And then the first day after we've seen pictures and a few videos of people playing catch, I'm kind of bummed because it's not really anything we can really dive into. It's just people playing catch and seeing that Matt Kemp looks a little bit thinner than he did during the season. What about you? Yeah, shuffs to Matt Kemp for looking like he's in good shape. That's uh, that's exciting. But you know, it's uh, I don't know. I'm kind of with you on that. I was excited when uh, things were getting started. Now I'm I'll get excited a little bit when there's actually a game. I believe the first one is Saturday ish. It's, it's it's definitely this next weekend. Um, but aside from that, not nah, by the time that starts, I'm ready for actual games that matter, which is we're still more than a month away. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a long way to go before that. But uh, it, it it's exciting to have baseball back, even if it's not really baseball that we want baseball to be yet. I did get to see some real baseball uh, 
on Friday, college baseball started. For those of you who care about, I the saw you tweeting game. about this. By the way, yeah. I saw you were, you were deeply engaged. Yeah, in I was baseball. really excited. First of all, JB Bukowskis was on the mound, which is probably ratcheting up my excitement. He's a guy who could be a potential first overall pick, depending on the year he has. He should definitely go in the first round, barring something crazy. So, if you guys want to watch some baseball and really just can't wait for next Saturday, I guess for the Braves, definitely check out the college game. There are a ton of good college teams around the country. Uh, I don't know how big Georgia is on college baseball. Do you have the uh, the tone of the college baseball fan base near Atlanta, Brad? It's not – I don't know. It's sort of – it is regional, so it's definitely bigger in this part of the country mm-hmm. than it is other places. But I don't think Atlanta and specifically is very college baseball-driven. You know, Georgia Tech's always been good at baseball, mm-hmm. at least for, mo- for the most part. Georgia's okay at baseball. There's some – they do okay. It's not like LSU, though, or like Mississippi where it's like a big, big deal. Yeah. It's just sort of in that middle range where it's a bigger deal here than it is a lot of a lot of the country, but not this like huge, massive underground thing either. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Mississippi had more fans at their opening day than the Cleveland Indians did the whole year, and they went to the World Series. So that sounds about right. It's, it's, it's crazy in the SEC, man, especially, you know, getting get to places that, that don't have professional teams mm-hmm. uh, and they, they become even bigger. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. But, yeah. uh, you know, Atlanta, there's, there's a lot to do in Atlanta. So I don't think college baseball is uh, too big in the consciousness, but there are people yep. that can for sure. That makes sense. All right. Uh, enough of enough of that talk. We can jump into some brave stuff. We've got a few updates. Uh, the big one that we were looking for in the last podcast was the Rodriguez injury update. Uh, this week we found out that he underwent surgery and is likely to miss the entire season. Uh, he had surgery to repair a torn rotator cuff and, or to repair a rotator cuff and then also to repair a torn biceps muscle. Uh, it's possible that he could return by September, but uh, just based on the timeline of that, I would be pretty surprised if he played with the Braves at some point this season. I feel like it's more likely that he, barring no setbacks in his rehab, he uh, gets some rehab games in uh, the minors I don't know why you'd push him to the majors unless his recovery just goes extremely well Uh, but was this a surprise to you is it disappointing to see how long he's out obviously we didn't want this to happen but I kind of felt like this was what we were going to be looking for uh, last week when we heard the initial news of his surgery what are your thoughts on Sean Rodriguez's update yeah, this is sort of just a, ch- a checkup because obviously we talked a lot about this last week. So if mm-hmm. you want to listen to our actual analysis on Rodriguez and, and the, the Brandon Phillips edition, all that stuff, go back and listen to last week's podcast. But I don't know. It's kind of brutal. The first time table we heard was three to five months. Um, and, you know, that would have been pretty optimistic. You know, three months from now mm-hmm. would have been, you know, you're, you're talking about more than half the season being around. But it uh, looks like it's going to be even longer than five months. So, yeah, I mean, this, this sucks for Rodriguez. He did have some interesting quotes today. I mean, he seems to be very thankful and rightly so that it was not worse. You know, his family, uh, obviously. So the car the car accident did not did not take anybody's life, which is a good thing. Uh, his wife actually seems to have gotten the worst of the injuries, um, but apparently she's doing okay. So yeah, I mean, there's this could have been worse. It's not great for the Braves to be without Sean Rodriguez for this long, and uh, I think it'd be definitely safe to plan on a full season without him. I think it's pretty safe to assume he'll go on the 60 day disabled list as soon as as soon as that happens. Um, they, and there's no reason not to. So the Braves, if they need that, his roster spot, they can uh, handle that. But yeah, I mean, I'm planning on it. I, I'm planning as if he's not going to be on the team this year. Uh, mm-hmm. He is signed through 2018 so uh, he'll be around next year provided the Braves uh, keep his salary around so we'll definitely still be following his progression because it's not like this guy's a free agent is going to be walking we'll definitely be interested to see how he is getting healthy near the end of the year uh, if nothing else to look forward to next season but uh, I'm planning on no shot Rodriguez this year and that sucks yep that is unfortunate but uh, it's looking like we're going to have to deal with it Uh, we also had news on Friday David O'Brien with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported that uh, Jim Johnson is set to open the season as the team's closer um, not entirely shocking. I'm sure some people uh, feel like Arotis Vizcaino should get a shot at that job. Um, 
Jim Johnson is 33 years old at this point. He had a 3.06 ERA and a 9.46 K per nine last season. Uh, is this a surprise to you, Brad? Or do you think it should be kind of an open competition, or are you happy with it? It's not really a big deal to me, and I'll dive into that a little bit more after I get your take on this. It's not a surprise to me at all. Like, I mean, it's up for debate as, as, as to whether it's like a good idea or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of not not being a surprise, it definitely is not one. You know, the, the Braves signed Johnson to that contract in the offseason. Um, it's interesting uh, the way that lays out. Um, but, you know, Arroyo's is an injury risk that Johnson is not. He's much safer. Johnson is the quote-unquote established closer. We've seen this guy, you know, be, be effective in the role. But Johnson's got, you know, I think has two 50, 50 save seasons on his resume. Last year he was saves. the closer for most of the year. I know, saves don't matter. But <laughs> They do matter. People that make decisions actually care about saves for reasons past understanding. I think the Braves might not care, which is nice. Um, I'll, I'm not I'm not 100% sure, though, with Brian Snicker that he's not going to care. We'll see how that works out when the team is actually competitive, which this year might be the first actual example of that. So I hope he's not going to be a slave a slave to the save rule. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's tough to say. Um, but, yeah, Johnson's fine. Johnson's good. I mean, it's not like he's, uh, this is a bad pitcher. If the Braves want to go this, uh, you know, penciling in a guy, a specific, a specific guy in that ninth inning, I'm okay with it being Johnson. And if, and if this guy, you know, is just dominant the way that he can be mm-hmm. when he's healthy, maybe he supplants him during the year. But – it doesn't really matter to me. How are you feeling about it? Uh, I like it, actually. I think, I, obviously, Jim Johnson signed through 2018, so he could be a bit more in uh, the Braves' long-term plans. But I think Jim Johnson is also a piece that, um, if he's in a high-leverage role with the team at the beginning of the season, he's definitely a guy that you could look to see them trade, um, even if they didn't want to trade Vizcaino. I know his name's been brought up in the uh, trade talks, but a 33-year-old reliever, I would be perfectly happy uh, selling high on if he has a good start to the year uh, to a team who's maybe closer to contending than the Braves are. Um, But if you just look at their second half of the season last year, um, from June to the end of the year, which was longer for Johnson than it was for Vizcaino because of the injury, uh, Jim Johnson finished the year, uh, his last... His last 50 games, actually, he threw a lot at the second half of the season. Finished with a 1.76 ERA, uh, and opposing hitters had a 6.03 OPS. If you compare that to um, the last 22 games, it's a much smaller sample for Vizcaino because of that injury. Um, June through August, he walked more. He walked 18 batters in 17 innings, and that's a little concerning. Uh, opposing hitters had an 8.73 OPS. So he's definitely not the pitcher that he has been and certainly has the talent to be during the second half of the season. So I feel like it's kind of an easy decision to go ahead and name Jim Johnson as the closer. Um, But that's without diving into the whole conversation of the closer role is stupid. Uh, We don't really have to get into that. I feel like my opinions on the closer role and saves in general, it's pretty outdated. We can dive into that at some point if you want, but it's not a big deal to me. I think that's the, the smart choice at this point. No, I mean, I, I just actually don't, I don't really remember what we, what we said on the podcast at this point in time, but when Johnson's, that, that contract extension was sort of weird, like it mm-hmm. hit in the middle of October, like right after the year, it was like, oh, Jim Johnson's back for two more years. And it was kind of under the radar, uh, sneaky time of year to have that happen. Mm-hmm. But when it happened, I would imagine the Braves were thinking he'll be the closer. I mean, you don't really see that kind of uh, deal that early uh, to keep a guy in, in place to be a setup man. That's that's sort of a simplistic way of thinking about it. But mm-hmm. um, if Johnson pitches well all season, I think he'll, and it stays healthy, I think he'll probably stay in the role I mean, there's no reason for him not to um it'll be interesting to see if if this guy you know can thrive in a different spot and listen the brace bullpen could be pretty good if, if everything if everything falls together here it could be a pretty solid bullpen there's a lot of diversity in terms of a uh, skill set a lot, a lot of guys who throw hard as well mm-hmm. with cabrera and other guys you know ian Kroll was awesome last year as a lefty there's there's some stuff to be excited about in the bullpen but uh johnson's boring as all get out and that's, <laughs> but that's fine as a closer you kind of want a boring guy mm-hmm. 
go in and do your job and get out. Um, so I'm okay with it, and we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah, can we talk a little bit about how consistent Jim Johnson has been? I'm looking at his just velocity numbers right yeah, now. Yeah, he's just a guy. Like, it's, he's in, the same guy always. Yeah, in 2008, he was averaging 93.8, so basically 94 miles an hour on his fastball. I expected a pretty significant drop-off. In 2016, his fastball averaged 93.3, so that's half a tick off his fastball after eight seasons. That's ridiculous for a reliever. I feel like that doesn't yeah, I mean, he's, a whole lot. We need to dive into know. that. He's, <laughs> he's so boring. I mean, it's, it's like, it's been as a compliment to me, but he's incredibly boring, which is probably why people don't talk about him yeah. as much. You know, this guy is a lot more volatile. I think he is. I think I probably made that point before at some yeah. point, but like, as long as he's healthy, like Jim Johnson had that one blip where he was kind of bad a couple yeah. years ago. Aside from that, I think. Yeah, he was awesome before that in Baltimore and other places, and he's been pretty gar- pretty darn good since then. He's also relatively, I wouldn't say underpaid, but mm-hmm. he's appropriately paid. As long as he's the guy he was last year, the Braves are probably getting a discount. Um, so it should be interesting to see how long he lasts, but uh, I'm okay. I'm totally fine with it. And, uh, you know, we can talk about, as you mentioned, we can talk about closer roles all day long, but we'll, <laughs> let's, just, let's just get out of here before we do, before we do that. For all months. right, sounds good. Uh, back up first base. This has been a uh, shocking hot topic in the first week of spring training, um, obviously with Rodriguez missing the whole year, it's a natural question to ask who's backing up Freeman at first base. And I guess with him competing in the World Baseball Classic, you worry a little bit more about him getting injured, which we'll touch on a little bit later as well. But uh, backup first base options, Brad, do you think this is something the Rays need to worry about? I mean, there's not a prototypical backup first baseman, but I feel like that's not necessarily a bad thing for the Braves. Yeah, people keep asking me, and I see people <laughs> asking asking the talking chop account. So I wanted to talk about this a little bit. I mean, we're not there. You know, <laughs> Freddie Freeman is incredibly durable, uh, and he's also the best player on the team. So his backup doesn't really matter a great deal unless he gets hurt, of course. So that has to be said. I mean, a situation where Freeman got hurt right now would be pretty disastrous. Yeah, and I can just say that have. if Freeman gets hurt enough to where you have to put someone out there on a regular basis, like it doesn't really matter how good your backup is. The season's probably not going how you want it to go. So. That is that's all accurate, but you know, even if it's just like a two week injury for mm-hmm. Freeman, like what happens then? So that's a real question. I mean, it's not as important to me as like a backup center fielder that we talked about the last couple of weeks. But um, first base, you know, you have you have Chase Dar- you have Chase Darno who could do it. Uh, apparently, Jace Peterson might be able to play a little bit there. I mean, he's he's athletic enough, and you can see what he does there. Um, apparently, Marquez could be an option behind him at first base. In which case, I would ask what the options are in the outfield. Um, mm-hmm. But Alas, I don't know. It doesn't really matter to me. I would expect if, if for some reason, if the roster is like it is right now, if Freeman was out for a week or two, I would I would assume it's some combination of Darno and Peterson, and that's fine. I mean, you know, you're hitting. Uh, I was takes a hit there, but it almost doesn't yeah. matter. If you lose Freeman, you're, I think your point is pretty much the biggest one that has to be said is that Freeman gets hurt, you're in trouble anyway. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, exactly. Just real quick, including uh, since Freeman became a uh, regular at the major league level, which is 2011. When he played 157 games, he's averaged 148 games per season, and that's including 2015 when he only played in 118. Uh, So that's ridiculously impressive. Aside from 118 in the uh, 2015 season, his career low games played is 147, which was in 2013 and 2012. So Freddie Freeman is extremely durable. I would expect him to play a lot of games this year unless he gets some kind of freak injury, which is always... A possibility, but uh, like you said, I don't think the backup first base role is a huge problem. Uh, it's one of the easiest positions to play defensively. 
I would love to see Matt Kemp stand over there, but that would be a circus. So that would just be kind of my my entertainment. I think Jason. Oh, Peterson I would and... listen. Matt Kemp, <laughs> Matt Kemp would be the closest to an actual first base profile that you'd see. Yeah. Like this also, big power hitter. You like could that. argue that getting him out of left field and putting him at first would make your overall team defense better. Uh, that is true. Like, but unless no, he just can't play left field. <laughs> Jace Peterson. I feel like Jace Peterson right now is better than Matt Kemp in left field. Don't you? Oh, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> I'm saying. Uh, I don't know. It's. Yeah, there's a there's ways to do this. I think Marcakis and Kemp would probably make the argument for both those guys. To mm-hmm. be honest, uh, I'm not sure the Braves are going to be willing to do that, especially with Kemp. But that's not going to happen with Kemp. No, uh, that's, that's a name we've not heard. But Marcakis, I was kind of surprised to hear that name. But I suppose if he's played there at some point in his life, he could be a functioning human being at first base. But uh, I don't know. Again, it doesn't really matter. I just feel like people keep asking, so I want to at least get it out there that we, we understand there's, they don't really have back at first baseman. It's a, it's a question worth asking and exploring, I suppose. But uh, I think safely to I think we're safe to assume it's going to be unless it's something something long term, it'll be Darno and Peterson, mm-hmm. whatever else. So Nick Marcagus has actually played first base in the majors a few times. In 2011, yes. he played three games, two of which he started at first base for the Orioles. Uh, 2014, again, he started two games. And then in 2016 with the Braves, he played one game and started there for for Atlanta. Uh, do you? I don't remember this game off the top of my head, but he definitely I has feel done like, it. He has yeah, the glove, a, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a game. I, I, see, now that you say that, I vaguely remember this. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a game Freeman didn't play, obviously, or he wouldn't have played there. Um, I wonder when that was in the year because I, I could sort of I'm see it now, but it. I I don't remember why Freeman wouldn't have played. I guess it might have just been a day off, and they didn't have another option at that particular mm-hmm. point in time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't laugh at Mark Higgins playing first base. It's just kind of weird because, uh, he's a gold glover, Carlos, in he's the outfield. A, a two-time gold glover, so Two you glove- think he can make the easy transition to first. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Uh, but yeah. It's, speaking it of, speaking yeah. of gold glove defense, what, what are your thoughts on Freeman's defense? I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, but I feel like Freeman is a pretty polarizing guy defensively at first. Sabermetric guys don't really think he's that great, but the uh, traditionalists who love a good pick at first think he's above average. Uh, do you fall into either of these camps, or are you somewhere in the middle? I think you just laid it out. Uh, he's <laughs> he's good at he's good at uh, things like uh, scooping, um, picking, as you said. He's good at that. There's no like he's ob- objectively good at that, mm-hmm. but he has less than zero range. So it really is kind of depends on like what you value on for, at first base because mm-hmm. that's a position where range doesn't matter all that much. But there is a difference between him and the upper tier guys defensively. So uh, if you look at the numbers, there's a reason why his numbers advanced numbers are not good. It's because he doesn't have any range. But if you hit the ball to him, he makes the play. And uh, we've long said uh, on this podcast and otherwise that he might have the best first base arm in the entire league. Mm-hmm. That doesn't matter really uh, hardly ever. But I guess in certain spots it does if you're trying to throw home or throw, throw home or throw back to third or something yeah, like that. Yeah, relay from the outfield to home. That he's could help fine. You. I mean, Freddie's Freddie's fine. I mean, he's not a bad defender. He's not a good defender. People that want to make him into this gold glove guy are wrong. People that want to say that he's awful are also wrong. Um, <laughs> so he's just – he's okay. Uh, as long as he hits, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah, with Brandon Phillips' exceptional range of second, I think we'll be fine this year. So, yeah, Brandon, Brandon Phillips means like uh, I don't know. 33. If you're if you're if you're older than I am, if you're older than I am, solidly playing middle infield, it's probably bad. And he's uh, quite you're a bit. Derek Jeter wasn't good at shortstop when he was at retired. the end. No, he was not. He was not very good at at, at shortstop defense. Yeah, but. Phillips is 35 at this point, which is getting up there. But moving on from first base talk, hopefully we've satisfied your questions for first base backup first baseman um john Coppolella or Coppolella. how do you pronounce his last name i feel like i always say copy Coppolella just because everyone says copy but a lot it's of people funny say uh, 
on what you're what you're about to reference, uh, our good friend Zach Dillard, mm-hmm. uh, while introducing him, said Copalella, yeah. and then when he welcomed him in, said Copy. So I don't I feel know. like you can't have you can't have it both ways. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I don't really know the answer, and I wanted to poke fun at Zach because Zach's a friend. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I really don't. I really have no clue what the actual pronunciation is. But he did answer to copy, so mm-hmm. I don't know. It's one of. The, I always call him copy too, so I'm with you on that. When when we get copy on here for an interview, we'll ask him, and he can clear it up for us. But <laughs> listen, he might he might do it. Copy's not shy about doing media. He might do it if we got if we got a hold of the right person. We'll he have might to be, reach out and see. I feel like he's probably. If I had to pick a handful of GMs that were one of the G- that actually would read their SB Nation team blogs, I feel like Copy would be at the the top of the list for sure. Yeah, I mean, he does read everything. I think he said that, like maybe mm-hmm. not specifically us, but uh, he does read things. He does he does care about numbers, and he's a younger guy who might be plugged into the internet more than. I mean, he's got MLB trade rumors up on his computer all the time, so. Yeah, as, uh, wouldn't wouldn't you? That's the thing. If you were a GM, wouldn't you also do that? I, I mean, know. I would. I feel like the general thought is you know more about what's going on than trade rumors, but I guess you can't really have your your ear on every single team's. Mind it also helps to know, like, it helps to know like what the public sentiment is too on a lot of things. If yeah. you care about that kind of stuff, and you kind of have to care if you're copy, like mm-hmm. you have to care a little bit about what people what people are saying. Um, not too much. I mean, people always often get into trouble by caring too much what fans think, but uh, especially with other teams. Like, if you know it's other teams like under pressure, mm-hmm. you have to, have to take advantage of them. I.e., Dave Stewart in Arizona. <laughs> shouts to Dave Stewart uh, once once every podcast. Shouts to Dave Stewart. Yep. Appreciate. It. Thank you, sir. Uh, but aside, yeah, I mean that that's kind of stuff that it, where it might matter. But uh, yeah, going back to the original point, uh, I, I'll go with Copy. That's that's my final answer for today. All right. So John Coppolello was on an interview with uh, Fox Sports South. A friend of the program, Zach Dillard, was asking him some questions early this spring uh there was a moment you should definitely go check out the uh podcast in its entirety it's good stuff but there was one point where uh zach brings up the cubs and kind of the rebuild and the comparisons to the two teams and uh copy's response was a little bit more animated uh than probably zach and most people would have expected this is kind of the copy's thing though um before i dive into it too much do you want to kind of give the uh the listeners the story if they haven't listened to it already i think you were one of the first to see hear this so yeah I, w- I would encourage people to go listen to this interview it's an interesting interview in general and uh, the podcast is also good i believe it's called the chop cast over there at fox sports south but yeah copy uh, actually i think it was Corey mccartney zach's co-host okay. that him up for this if i remember correctly but uh basically they they wanted into a, a, a comparison with, between the braves and the cubs and uh, copy got kind of i don't know animated would be the word i would use about um kind of the, the comparisons bet- between the two uh saying that you know the cubs have all these resources and the cubs had this quote legacy of losing and it makes it like almost easier to rebuild and that you know when, when theo got there he basically he, he did make sure to credit theo and all those all the job they mm-hmm. did and that, that was a wise decision by copy but he basically said that it was a lot easier without saying it was a lot easier if that yeah. makes sense uh there's a lot more pressure on the braves was his point i think and that the braves had this legacy of winning and they you know the, he mentioned the 14 straight division titles all those mm-hmm. things and how Having a much, a much shorter window, the Cubs kind of you could lose there for a longer period of time. I think even uh, even I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I think even last year by the middle of the season, I, I was hearing it a lot from Braves fans that were kind of done with the rebuild, mm-hmm. uh, and a rebuild was not even a year old at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's so, sort of a year old, I guess. I mean, if you, if you stretch it out, it might have been you know close to a year and a half, two years old. But um, the Cubs rebuilt for a very long time, um, and they even went they even went deeper into the uh, we're going to be bad for a long time and draft guys super high. Mm-hmm. Um, the Braves kind of did it a little bit faster and copy was basically saying that was out of necessity because this fan base won't tolerate it like the, like the Cubs did. I, I think he was right to be honest. I think it might just be controversial in that he kind of you know didn't hold back his opinion on another team, which a lot of GMs won't do. Yeah. 
I thought it was interesting. I was actually a little, I think I, I've taken for granted uh, just in general, the pressure that comes from ownership on GMs to get things done. I know a lot of times we talk about uh, our mentalities on, on rebuilds, whether you think you should tear the whole thing down, which in general, I think if you haven't been successful tearing the whole thing down like the Cubs and the Astros did, I think that's the smart path. But um, realistically, that's just not available to you sometimes. And I feel like without actually hearing these uh, conversations that you have with ownership when you're planning out, uh, I guess, the uh, projection for your team over the next few years, uh, you realistically can't do that all the time, and I think it's it's good to hear that as a, a person who's interested in the team and who writes about the team and who's keeping up with it. Um, but I do wish that more, I guess, ownership was more, I don't know if it's an ownership thing or a fan base thing getting mad. Do you feel like it's more on the ownership uh, pressuring GMs to succeed quicker or on the fan base just not putting up with a bad major league product? It's probably both. Only, I mean, that, that's a cop on answer, but mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I mean, it's definitely a good one. Though. Like, it can the team doesn't have to be one or the other. The team wants to sell tickets, and it's a lot harder to sell tickets if your team is bad mm-hmm. and the fan base is fed up with you. Um, I'll, I'll do this across. Sort of, I also cover the Atlanta Hawks, and that's one of the things that they're weighing right now is that, um, without getting too deep into it, the Hawks have been pretty good for a long time, but really have no chance to actually win the championship in mm-hmm. basketball. Um, and they're in this decision right right now where uh, as someone who wants them to win a title, I would advocate for them to kind of blow it up and rebuild the way the Braves have and the way the Cubs have. Um, but at the same time, they're pretty convinced that they can't sell tickets. Mm-hmm. At least that's the feeling that I get. Um, so they, they, keep, they, keep, they keep staying the course. And uh, some fans like it. Some fans like winning you know, 60% of your games and kind of just being pretty good. Um, but some fans like me – uh, people that analyze it are like, guys, you're never going to win the championship like this. You're mm-hmm. going to have to do something different. Um, and while baseball is a little bit different in that when, when, if you make if you make the playoffs, kind of anything can happen in baseball. Yeah. So it's a little bit different than basketball. But uh, sort of the principles are the same in that, you know, in order to get uh, very, very, very good, you usually not not always have to rebuild. But if you're a team that doesn't have this massive payroll, this is probably the best way to do it. And the Cubs do have a big payroll. They still did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Braves don't. I mean, the Braves are going to have a middling payroll. Unless something, unless something you know drastically changed with, with the ownership group and sort of the allotment they're allowed to give to uh, player personnel they're going to have this middling payroll and in order to get you know awesome this is the best way to do it so i'm, I'm on board with it i've always been on board with it but uh it's definitely a dynamic that you have to play with and take with a little mm-hmm. bit yep so shouts out to copy with uh putting on this rebuild with all the external pressures that come with being a major league gm uh obviously i feel like it's safe to say i think he's done a good job so far it'll be interesting to see where the team goes but uh definitely an insightful interview with copy as most of his tend to be really you're talking to him he, he genuinely he seems to be uh, pretty straightforward most of the time doesn't really give you non-answers and he definitely didn't in this uh, podcast so definitely go check that out if you have not already uh anything else to say on that or you want to move on to uh, another prospect list which no let's like keep they, let's they keep never going stop. They don't. Uh, we, sh- we can probably breeze through the prospect list also. But it's worth mentioning is it was, this is the last one, right? This is the last new one that we care about. At I least think for this so. Year. Keith Law's done his. Pipeline's done his. Baseball America's done his. And Baseball Prospectus just – I think theirs has been out for a while in their, uh, their, their actual book, their handbook. But it just went online recently. Uh, so we got a chance to see it, those of us who don't get the actual hard copy of the book. Um, and their prospect list might be the most – at least for me, it's probably the most uh, divisive, uh, just because I'll run through it really quick for those of you who don't know what it is, uh, but you can check it out for free on their website. Uh, Swanson at 2, Ronald Acuna, 31, Ozzy Albies, 35, Sean Newcomb, 44, Mike Soroka, 64, Colby Allard, 67, Ian Anderson, 96, and Kevin Maiton rounds out the list for the Braves at 100. 
Um, obviously, the biggest name to jump out is Ronald Acuna at 31 over Ozzy Albies. I think that's wrong, but everyone else is pretty much in agreement with Albies at two, so it's not like some insightful comment from me. What do you think about Acuna being at number two uh, for the Braves in their top 100 list? It seems aggressive. Uh, as someone, uh, my, my reputation that you've helped create about uh, as being an Ozzy Albies hater uh, is not true. But uh, I think he's, I think he should be number two on really any list right now. I, I think Albies should be number two. I mean, that's not, that's not an out of the box opinion. I do think he's a good prospect. Uh, Acuna is a fun player. Uh, he's he's come a long way in the last year or so. It seems kind of crazy to me that he'd be that high, but. I don't know. My general opinion on these things is kind of uh, okay. Whatever you guys say is fine. I'm, I have no beef with it. I thought it was funny that Kevin Maiton is, 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 is exactly 100 on this mm-hmm. list. Sort of like the the major hedge from them. Mm-hmm. It's like this guy's awesome and he could be like the next big old Cabrera, but we're gonna put him exactly oh, yeah. 100. So he's on our list. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's all, he's he'll be 17 or what? Is he is 17 now? I feel like he's, he's, he turns 17 pretty soon. I'll but, look it up real quick. But I, uh, I think he's gonna turn 17 this year. Yeah, it's pretty soon. I feel like, but still, uh, think about that. He's still like a junior in high school, like uh, age wise. I feel so, really old. So, well, February February twelfth, two thousand. So he is. He just turned seventeen. Seventeen. Good call, Brad. Yeah. He was born in two thousand. That's wow. that's outrageous. As someone, uh, I mean, you're you're still young. In yeah, this, in I'm normally this world. the youngest guy on on all the shows, so it's fun. And now I just feel really old. Yeah, Kevin Maton, uh, whew, born in two thousand. Anyway, uh, it was a major. It was a major hedge to put him at hundred. I kind of, I kind of made me laugh a little bit. It kind of lets him be included, but mm-hmm. without being included. Um, but aside from that, no, no real beef on yeah. this one. Uh, two other quick notes for me. Uh, I, I was surprised to see Sean Newcomb as the first pitcher on the list. I feel like he's kind of fallen off the table a little bit for most of the prospect evaluators. Still uh, within the top one hundred for most people, but uh, having Allard Anderson. And even Soroka, all below Newcomb, uh, was a bit surprising. And then my biggest beef with baseball prospectuses list is actually in the uh, scouting report for Ozzy Albies at three. And this obviously explains why he's below Acuna. Um, but they wrote that he lacks a standout tool aside from his speed, which I was kind of shocked to see. Uh, I know either last I saw podcast. Brace fans were mad about that. Yeah, I, I saw that on Twitter I, I think a little bit. Eric was kind of flaming this one a little bit as well. But... Um, I think the last podcast or the podcast prior to that, I talked about how Baseball America pegged Ozzy as a 70 tool guy with his uh, with his hit tool and with his speed. So I feel like it's pretty shocking to have one outlet give you a plus-plus hit tool and the other outlet say your only carrying tool is your speed. Um, but obviously that's why they have a different opinion on where he stacks up in their top 100 um, one of these people will either turn out to be right or closer to right. So I guess it'll be fun to see who who's closer to the truth. Um, but either way, definitely check out their top 100 list if you haven't already. Those are just interesting to uh, to kind of look through and compare and contrast. And like no, we're doing and here. no more of the, no more of those till midseason, which is uh, very exciting for me. I, I'm kind of <laughs> kind of done with prospect lists. Yeah, we, we have definitely to had a prospect overload, and I feel like kind of in the industry we've had more and more information on prospects and, and especially with the Braves, there's been more interest in the prospects. Uh, so I'm kind of right there with you. I'm ready for actual major league baseball. Um, oh, before that though, before I, before, yeah, before we go off, because we will, we will get off it in a hurry. Please check out road <laughs> to Atlanta, the road to Atlanta. Our boys have started this website, uh, Eric, Eric and Garov. And I was forget, I was forget who is, who else is working on it. Matt is working on it. I think who else is working on it. I'm missing somebody. Wait, you were, anyway. who'd you list? Eric and Garov. Garrett, Spain. Garrett, that's the one I always. Oh, I thought you said up. Garrett. 
Wow. I'm sorry, Garrett. I Shout love out you. to you, Garrett. I knew you were there right away. So, uh, but yeah, go check out those guys' website. Uh, it's sort of a uh, what's the word that we they've used to describe it? Um, compliment, a compliment um, to, to the podcast uh, or to Talking Chop. To both, okay. to their podcast and to Talking Chop, uh, the Road to Atlanta dot com for prospect needs. In addition to Talking Chop, please also yeah, listen. I'm pretty sure Eric us. has like uh, many scouting reports on every single player in the Braves farm yeah, system. Yeah, it's wild, which is, man. Like we're. The news, the news and stuff, and like there'll, there'll still be stuff on talkingchat.com, of course. But uh, if you want to just have that resource to just always be there for you, the Road to Atlanta, man, check those guys out. Their podcast is also good. So, yep. plug for them because shout out to those guys. There we go. Uh, so we'll move on from the uh, the prospect talk for now. Um, we've got a few mailbag questions to get to. We haven't done this in a while, so it's exciting to to get back to that. Um, We'll go ahead and jump into the questions. Michael Blackburn asks, any non-roster invitees that you think could surprise and break camp with the big league club? Brad, do you want to take this one? Yes. Uh, there's one guy, at least for me, uh, and actually we got a question about this as well, so we'll just we'll just bring it in here mm-hmm. as AJ Mentor. I think Mentor's the most likely guy to be on the team that's a non-roster invitee. There's also other guys. I mean, Dustin Peterson's been a name that's been mentioned. Uh, our boy Scott Coleman loves Dustin Peterson. It, was, it would shock me if he's on the team opening day. Um, you know, Travis Demerit's a popular name. He's not really, he's not really ready yet. I think Mentor is the one guy who has both the upside, uh, and the ability to be there right away. Cause he's a bull, it's a bullpen guy. I mean, Mentor's, I think pretty safely going to be on the team at some point this year, mm-hmm. but, uh, because I mean, in, in the bullpen, it's kind of always not a bad thing to accelerate guys. And if, if the Braves are convinced that he's only a bullpen guy long-term, which it appears to be that way, there's no, there's not really any downside to bringing him up now. If, if they think he's the best option, then he might be on the team. That wouldn't blow me away at all. And apparently there was some reports I believe it's Mark Bowman, uh, your former boss, that uh, had uh, had Brian Snicker being very impressed by Mentor in his first uh, look at him this this week. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, AJ Mentor would be would be my guy. I, I can't really find another one to be honest that was uh, really sort of a, an actual threat. There's some mm-hmm. interesting names, but nobody that was you know John Danks on that list originally. Jordan Walters on on that list originally. Those guys are not going to be around. Um, they, they would have been my actual names. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago we did this, but now those those guys are like not. They're kind of off the board. I'll go with Mentor as the young fun yeah. option. I, the other the only other name I could think of of the guys who are non roster invitees who could actually make it, and this name is probably not going to excite anyone and might actually make people mad. Is Emilio, I know what you're going to say. Emilio Bonifacio. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. <laughs> I've seen his name thrown around with the beat guys. I think Mark's actually talked about how he could definitely be a guy that uh, makes gets a spot on the team just because he can play center field. Oh, um, can he, though? Can he? That's my I question. Guess, I guess he's played there more than I would any rather... of their other backups. I mean, I you know I'd rather go with Jace. Yeah, here's a blazing take. Jace, Jace Pearson can't be worse than Amelia Bonifacio. <laughs> But right. who yeah. knows? I mean, it depends. Like with with Washington and Brian Snicker, it would not surprise me at all if they felt like a, a veteran guy who could play center field would be more valuable than taking a chance on someone like Jace as the backup center fielder. Um, so he, I guess he's the only guy I would think of. Um, I haven't put too much time into thinking about which non-roster invitees could break camp with the big league club, though. Why, so why not, Carlos? Come on. I guess it's just not at the forefront of my mind at this point in time. But uh, definitely a question baseball, that baseball podcast. Definitely a question that needs to be answered. I'll um, say this though, on, on mentor, real quick. I think there's about a ninety percent chance he's in the bullpen at some point this year. I think to start the season, I would guess it's less than fifty percent. Would you agree with that, or am I being negative? On mentor. 
less than yeah, 50%. Yeah, mentor, mentor, uh, mentor opening day, is he in the bullpen or not? I would say it's less 50-50. Uh, let me see what his... I could be wrong. I mean, he's he's awesome, man. He was awesome I last feel like year. he's a guy that's had so much helium lately that I wouldn't be surprised at all. He threw... Oh, it wouldn't blow me away in any way. I, I just think, I mean, maybe it's just me being conservative, but I, I mean, think they might get... pushed through pretty time. aggressively, so... Yeah. I guess I, I would be a little surprised if he started. He only threw 16, 18 innings in double A last year. So I would be surprised if he did, yes. But it's the bullpen. You never really know. He has a chance. No question um, about it. And it, I do think the uh, it's worth pointing out that on the Braves' depth chart, which was last updated on February 19th, uh, so we're recording on February 19th, if you were unaware of that. Today. <laughs> today. <laughs> today. Uh, Jace Peterson is listed as the backup center fielder with Bonifacio be. right behind him. So the backup center fielder battle in spring training is going to be the uh, positional battle to watch for sure. It's going to be it's going to be extremely lit, Carlos. We'll <laughs> it's going to be that. wild. All right, next question from a great friend of the program, Tim Bostic, who our I'm, boy, Tim I'm Bostic. pretty sure he's 100% on our mailbags. Um I, he's got to be close. I, kn- I know he has the most questions that we've actually read. Um, so maybe everyone hates him because their questions aren't being read at the expense of Tim's. But Tim Ask better <laughs> questions than people. Tim's the man. Uh, Tim asks, do you think the World Baseball Classic is worth the risk of injury? Um, I, I have mixed feelings on this. I don't think that playing in the World Baseball Classic is much more of an injury risk than doing stuff in spring training is, to be honest. I don't think guys are going 100% in the world. There are definitely some guys who are going 100%, but I think the chance to play for and represent your country is an extremely, um, I mean, it's a, it's a huge honor that I feel like people take for granted just because the World Baseball Classic is a pretty new event. It doesn't have the history that something like the Olympics has. Um, and people who are interested in players' health are much more invested in their own team success than anything else. So it's understandable that you wouldn't want your one of your best players getting injured in the World Baseball Classic. But I feel like um, being able to say that you represented your country playing the sport that you love and that you is your career, it's your profession to do, I feel like we can't really comprehend that, at least as, from the sideline. So no, I don't think so. Obviously for pitchers, it's a little sketchier for me just because they can get injured at any point. But I mean, if they weren't in the World Baseball Classic, they'd be playing baseball in spring training, and there's a risk of injury there as well. I know kind of a parallel to this is it's it's not really related to ba- it's not related to baseball at all, but I was talking to Marcus Page at one point uh, what Roy Williams thought about the team playing uh, pickup basketball in college, and he kind of laughed and said that Roy really didn't care if they played pickup like with, uh, with students and stuff just around campus because they're going to be playing basketball in practice, and they can get injured there just as easily as uh, playing pickup. So that's kind of what I relate it to. I don't. I don't think it's obviously you worry about it. I don't think it's anything to get too crazy about, though. What are your thoughts? I think we're in lockstep with this one for the most part. I don't know. I I would prefer that guys didn't play in this as from a Braves perspective. <laughs> yeah. That's just me. I I also understand that I don't care about the World Baseball Classic, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of people do, which is fine. Like if you care about it, especially. I also say this. I think as Americans, we care a lot less about this event than other people. Uh, like if you you're, if you're from, from other countries. Yes. Yeah. 
I think it's a much bigger deal outside of America, which is not a bad not a bad thing at all. I mean, I think there's you know you mentioned the Olympic comparison. Uh, I, I don't know I don't know how, how important this is to me. It's not. I could I could tell you that it's not that important to me. But I I, have, I find no fault in anyone that actually cares about it. I think it'd be weird to see Freddie Freeman playing for Canada. To be honest, I would prefer that he not play in this in this event. Not because he's playing for Canada, because he's I just don't want him to play. I, I want him to be to be in a bubble. Um, but that's not that's not that's not realistic. So I'm okay with it completely. You know, these guys are gonna be play, gonna be playing baseball for the Braves um, it's not really that different I mean I, I guess it's a little bit more taxing that you're playing real games versus sort of uh, just drills and stuff like that but I have no beef with it I'm not really worried about it uh, but remind me when I remind me that I said that if somebody gets hurt and you know, I'm really angry about it especially um, for Freeman but yeah your point about pitch, pitchers is, 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 a, is a good one though I think it's for pitchers is a lot more uh, volatile and you want to have a, the least amount of stress possible on a guy's arms but mm-hmm. Freeman doesn't really get hurt like he's kind of a uh, a, a, an Iron Man of sorts, as we talked about early, early on in the podcast with, with his backup. So I'm okay with all of it. It's just something that I don't really care about much. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Brantley V asks, what happens if Whistler or Blair are more impressive than one of the vets we signed this offseason? Um, speaking of Blair, he looks like he's uh, at a little bit of weight this year. Do you care to touch on that, or do you think that's weird? <laughs> um, I think I'll go ahead and say I think it's a little weird how crazy people are to see how the bigger-bodied players on teams in spring training, like people freak out to know what kind of shape they're in and really yeah. dissect pictures, which is a little freaky to I me, mean, I the think. Kemp, the, Kemp, the Kemp stuff that we, we kind of joked about earlier on in the podcast, mm-hmm. it's not as weird to me because like that was a theme last year. Like, yeah. it was well, he pretty, said something about he was it. Out so. of, yeah, people, didn't the front office say it as well? I think yeah, like John Hart, somebody said it about it too. So that was like kind of public knowledge that he was not in good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody else... And, and, you know, with Camp, at least in the pictures you can see, like, it's pretty clear that he's in better shape, mm-hmm. uh, just visually. Um, but, yeah, for Blair, I don't know. I didn't even notice that, to be honest. Like, whatever. It's not a big deal to me. Um, but, yeah, it is kind of odd. And, uh, you know, on Whistler and Blair, it would it would kind of surprise me if they were, like, good enough uh, in spring training to actually beat out one of these guys. Mm-hmm. I think it would pretty much take an injury, to be honest. I can't imagine a scenario where um, the three vets, you know, Garcia, Dickey, and Cologne, uh, one of them would have to get hurt, I'd imagine, to not be in the rotation. I would be blown away. I mean, I guess if you had to pick one, it would be Dickey. Um, if for some reason the, the knuckler is just not knuckling. Oh, man. Can you imagine how ticked Tyler Flowers would be spending all this time figuring out how to catch <laughs> that pitch, buying a new but glove? Yeah, and he, well, he's also a guy in Dickey that you could put in the bullpen and have him be your long man. Mm-hmm. And that would be that weird. Like if I think Blair, I don't know, I, I'd be blown away if it was Blair. If it was Whistler, and Whistler looked awesome in spring. Uh, being that he's been in the rotation for a year and a half now, mm-hmm. if he was awesome in spring and they said, "All right, Matt, we'll give you a shot here. We'll put Dicky in the bullpen," that would that would still surprise me. It wouldn't just blow me away, but I think that would definitely take Dicky being bad in spring training and Whistler being lights out, mm-hmm. and that that combination seems pretty unlikely to me. Blair, I mean, what would Blair have to do to make the rotation in the spring training? I think become there's a new pitcher. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's a good, he's a good prospect. He was a good prospect. He was really really bad last year, and because of that. I think they're going to have to see him pitch at a high level in actual games somewhere yep. for him to make an actual shot. Um, that's what happens when you have when you have when you have five veterans. Well, I mean, you have four veterans in Voltanovich, but Voltanovich, uh, again, barring injury, is going to be ahead of these guys. So there's not really a spot to be had. It's kind of weird to hear Julio Tehran referred to as a veteran, but that's certainly the case. He's a veteran. <laughs> it was like Julio's got you know more than isn't he over a thousand innings now? I think he is. He has 821, so he should okay, get so this, there this year. year. Over 1, yeah. Yeah, wow. Okay. That's so I'm pretty much right there with you on that question. I don't think I need to add too much to that. There you go. Um, Sorry, I'm long-winded. No, you're fine. That was a great response, Brad. 
Um, <laughs> I think I think that's it for us today. Uh, again, really excited to get to episode fifty-two. And Brad, you've you've been here for the entire year. I had a, a big vacation in the middle of this, so I really wasn't a part of it for a while. But I missed a couple. Uh, uh, Kevin McAlpin was here once without me. I missed you a missed few. Missed a couple random weeks. That's different from you and Eric. A uh, vacation. I have a yeah, I have a day job that sometimes <laughs> prevents me from doing things and some travel stuff. And you're just uh, you're home a lot more than I am. I yeah, found. that's true. Uh, but anyway, we appreciate everybody listening. Please subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, SoundCloud is also great. Um, and we, of course, embed it on the on the, uh, on the the page itself, com every Monday at noon. The podcast goes up. But you'll get it a lot faster if you subscribe on iTunes. There's a PSA for you. Awesome. So uh, do that. Re- rate and review, too. Five-star reviews, man. Yep. Give us good feedback. Follow Brad on Twitter at BT Roland. You can follow me at Carlos A. Colazzo. The site's at Talking Chop, as always. Uh, and thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week with one spring training game under our belts, or two, I guess, depending on yes. when we record the next day. So uh, stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening.